Chronic illness can be an all-consuming experience. I have suffered with chronic illness for over 20 years, and there is no doubt managing a chronic condition can be a full-time job with no perks or time off. It affects every facet of your life, but you are not alone. Join me as we hear real stories of people living with pain and illness, their challenges, their victories, and the treatments and coping strategies they use to get through the day. I am not my pain, and neither are you. Welcome back to the I Am Not My Pain podcast. Last week, I was speaking to Laura Launderville on her rare conditions of trigeminal neuralgia and occipital neuralgia. If you haven't listened to part one, I would highly encourage you to go back and check it out as Laura shares her incredible story of finding her diagnoses, as well as more on the rare condition of TN. To refresh my listeners' memory, Laura first developed symptoms of trigeminal neuralgia at 17. In 2020, Laura also began having new symptoms, which was diagnosed in 2022 as occipital neuralgia, another rare neurological condition. She has also been diagnosed with chronic migraine disease, a rare autoimmune condition called Leichen planipolaris, and IBS-M. Laura works to support other rare disease sufferers and raise awareness on trigeminal neuralgia and occipital neuralgia by sharing her story and volunteering for the leading nonprofit that brings awareness to rare facial pain diseases, the Facial Pain Association, or FPA, as well as the Vashti Initiative, a nonprofit that helps those who have experienced trauma of religious and spiritual abuse. She also serves as a board member for the FPA's Young Patient Committee, YPC, whose primary focus is on rare pediatric facial pain conditions in young patients and adults, ages 40 and under. Laura additionally writes for various platforms, such as The Mighty, and shares her experience through her blog called The Medical Zebra. I will include the link to the blog in the episode description, but you can also find her on her Instagram handle, at The Medical Zebra blog. Today, Laura will dive into how trigeminal neuralgia affects her relationships, more about occipital neuralgia, how she copes with these very painful diseases, and so much more. Let's tune in to the rest of her interview. So how did it impact your relationships with people? Well, number one, I was in an environment that didn't recognize pain. That delayed a lot of my, you know, of getting um, diagnosed in the first place, but it also really chipped away at my self-worth with it. And it also made me feel and think I can't be in this much pain. Like when I think of that word, when I just say that and think about that, I just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I actually believe what they were telling me because I literally had trigeminal neuralgia. It, w- it was hard. Um, I was bullied often. I was made fun of for like the way my, my face would contort because when, when sometimes when people have a, an episode of TN, their face will contort and they, they look different. I remember one time I was told to stop doing that. that you look like a monster and you're embarrassing yourself and us. And I'm like, okay, I didn't, number one, I didn't know that I was showing it because I was trying my best to hide this which I don't know why I felt like I had to hide it other than I knew I wouldn't be validated, I guess. So that was hard to hear. I was in the environment for a while, for at least four to five years of having my, my condition. 
thankfully I did have my family that was close that did believe me and they knew that I was in pain. I mean, they were with me every day. They, they saw it, but they also, they didn't know how to help. Like no one knew how to help. So it was very hard for them to see that and to see me in pain. I mean, it's, it's hard to grasp, but because uh, me as a patient with Chargement and Neuralgia, because things, anything could cause an episode, like my family would hear me screaming. I could be screaming just because I'm brushing my teeth or because I'm taking a shower and I'd be groaning and just in so much pain and then screaming because water accidentally hit my face. So that was very hard for them to see or I'd be talking and then bam, have an episode. Mm. And then other times, you know, we got used to being, you know, Laura has something wrong with her jaws, how we referred to it before I knew how to express what was going on. But then there's just moments where it just, how do you get used to someone completely, you know, broke down because they're in so much pain, but they can't also always cry because that sets off episodes. So I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the, the sensation the tears and, the, and also just probably the tension of yeah. everything. Because you're already set off. Yeah. Okay. It probably trained yourself not to cry anymore. Yeah. There were times I, 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 told myself, don't cry, it's going to make things worse, and blood pressure rising if I got stressed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was hard. But yeah, it was hard for my family, and you know, it infects, affected my social life as well. I didn't have much, because I was only 17 at the time, but um, my 20s went away. Like I, It was just surviving. I didn't date or anything like that. I didn't get into the dating world until I was uh, 27, 27, 28 time frame. And that was also difficult too. Um, at times, you know, you would meet people that were kind and understanding, but then you would meet people that were cruel, you know? And I think that, you know, I was actually talking recently about this with someone I love. And I said, you know, I don't think that that was because of my tragedy and neuralgia. I think it's because it was a character failing on their, their end. And, um, and they agree with me. Um, thankfully I was able to, to, to meet somebody and we fell in love with each other and he still just sees me as Laura. He never saw me as anything else. I mean, I, like he says, I have rare conditions, but I'm just Laura. <laughs> well, then you found the right one. Cause that's what you want to find, but mm -hmm. it is so true. I mean, for a majority of my chronic pain and condition, I mean, I just tried to survive. Like I couldn't go back to school. I lived with my parents. I didn't have a social life. I saw some friends, but it was short and, you know, I'd see them and then I had to go lay down. Like it just, it took basically my twenties and part of my thirties. Like it just, and, and I, I don't want to make it seem like it, didn't teach me anything either, but it did, unfortunately. I mean, we know we don't want chronic illness and chronic and rare disease to be our teacher, but unfortunately it, it can be. And I definitely learned a lot about who I was and mm -hmm. who other people were, um, yeah, you know, sure. other relationships. Like you learn so quickly. And I think, I don't know what it is. Everybody I've talked to on the spot, they have like a sixth sense about people and because they can read them better. I don't know. It's because we've had to deal with it like in society a little bit. And 
So they can pick up on things that most people can't. It's fascinating because I'm just like, how did you know that? But then when I met the person, I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but still, it was it, it's incredibly powerful because it flips your whole life upside down. And then you have to figure out a way to survive it and to yeah. get through it and to get treatment and the whole gambit and to be believed. I mean, that's a huge one, but to have something so rare too, on top of it and painful, uh, that has to affect everything. And then you feel so distanced from your loved ones. Like, even though my parents were fantastic, I still felt like a wall that I held up because I didn't want to burden them. Oh, yes. Exactly. So I sat back. I was like, you, you know, I don't want to tell you everything. You know, I don't want to, share how dark it's getting for me because you guys are already just doing so much for me and I'm such a burden and, you know, and then the blame you put on yourself, like, why can't I just deal with this pain better? Like, why is it affecting my life so much? And I think that's a huge part of what, why we suffer so much is because we feel that way. And I think society kind of puts that on us a little bit. Like, well, if you have pain, you just grin and bear it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, but what if you can't like, what if the pain is so bad that you literally can't? And, you know, and also still, even then, I find that chronic illness and pain patients have the highest pain tolerance. When they end up in the hospital, you know, it's like at 12, like, you know, it is beyond yeah. bad because they, we will deal with pain at a lower level. Like, eh, it's only like a seven today, you know, but if it's that bad and we're at the hospital, we're like, yeah, it's bad. We're trying to avoid the hospital because we know that that's also going to wear us out more for the next couple of days or weeks. We really were in needing of help. It's gotten to the point where even as a chronic pain patient, we can't do this on our own. I don't want to say it's a tolerance, but you you learn to work through it step by step. I always say um, take it one second at a time, one minute, one day, and then continues to go from there because you know when you're dealing with such severe pain, it is each second that you feel it. You're just trying to get through the second, but it is hard. Your brain goes through, like, how long is this going to last for? Like, is it going to be days? Am I going to be stuck here forever? Like what's happening? So it's hard to turn that off, but it is a key to turn it off in a sense. Like you learn to turn that part or you just tell yourself, okay, zip it. Like we're just got to focus on right now. Let's just focus on getting through right this minute. But it is, it's like a practice. It takes a little, a little knowledge. And then going to the hospital too. I mean, when you do have to go do, do uh, the doctors and nurses even know what this condition is mostly, or do they even know how to treat when you come in? You know, the thing is for me is I never went to the ER before. I was so terrified of the ER. I would not go. I needed to go many a time really need to go many a time um but coming in contact with doctors you know a lot of them have no clue what I'm talking about or if they do know what it is they get excited because I'm oh, a yes. patient and I'm there and I'm like oh I'm under a microscope all of a sudden because this this individual has tried to be right? are they bringing all their med students yeah <laughs> like, everyone come look come look learn look, this this rare zebra is here to to look at yeah um, and that's very uncomfortable but yeah, some doctors have no clue of what I'm talking about. And that makes it harder because when you're talking to a doctor, you want them to immediately know what it is because 
honestly, you get tired of sitting there and educating them. It's like, okay, I got to take like five to 10 minutes just explain what this is. And like, I don't know what that is. Or I'm like, okay, well, let's try to explain this. And you can still tell sometimes they have no clue what I'm saying. But yeah, makes you not want to deal with it. And then, you know, for me as well, like for chronic pain, like just going to the hospital when it was so bad, was you get treated like an addict looking for drugs. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you're a drug seeker. And I'm like, I'm not, I don't come, like you can look at my record. I've only been here like once in a blue moon, but I'm dying here. And of course, after the opioid epidemic and everything else now with all the new laws, I mean, they're like, we can give you some Tylenol for, you know, and you're like, it's not going to cut it. Like I can't. And so I stopped going because they wouldn't give me anything anyway. So I was like, well, what's the difference? Like, even if I go, they're not going to do anything. So I just stopped going. It's true. And I honestly would be, I want to talk also about occipital neuralgia a little because it is also a rare condition. And I think, you know, people should know more about these conditions. So can you explain a little bit about the condition for, you know, your symptoms and kind of what, how you were diagnosed and things like that? Mine showed up in 2020. I remember when it first hit because I was actually in a trigeminal neuralgia episode and then the Owen episode hit the same time. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck is going on? I'm like, I got pain in my face and I got pain in my head in the back and like in behind my ear. And it was, the pain levels just were through the roof. Like I can't express how much it was so bad having them at once. So for me, my symptoms are ice picks. Like I feel like someone takes a hammer to the back of my hand, just boom, boom, boom against it. And it just, and then pressure, I got lots of pressure and I sometimes randomly will start burning back on my scalp and it's very tender, moving my hair, putting my hair in a ponytail hurts. Um, and also for me, sometimes the worst pain is right behind my ears. Which kind of overlaps for me too, because trigeminal mm-hmm. goes into this area and can affect your, for me at least. So the Owen gets, it's like my whole head gets covered because I got two conditions. <laughs> wow, lucky you. It's very painful. When I'm, when this showed up again, to flare really bad in 2022. Um, I was in a pretty good remission of TM and the OM was bad. So I'm like, this is, this is putting me on my butt. I'm not doing very good. I was trying to sleep and I got zapped, like really zapped, shocked, like in the back of my head. And I just kept jumping up from the bed because sleeping on the pillow was just too painful. And, you know, I'd just be constantly crying or groaning because the pain was so bad. Yeah, Owen is it's not fun. It's rough. <laughs> it's definitely up there with TNs being painful. <laughs> what do you do for treatments for occipital neuralgia? For me, I tried nerve blocks and um, they were working well. I had some side effects, so I took some pause on it. And because I'm still kind of new with treatment for it, you know, I don't know what the next step will be. Um, they've suggested some medications, so I'll probably give those a try. Right now, I'm just kind of doing what I did similar with my TN. I'm kind of just going through flare each time, you know, working through it. I'm actually flared up right now. So it's it's difficult. Um, the way they diagnosed it was my symptoms. They didn't put me in MRI. They said that that wasn't needed, although I was like, I really want to go into MRI machine, just make sure or something else please <laughs> right. I'm yeah. like anything else can go wrong 
um, yeah, I have a lot of medical anxiety. <laughs> but they, they, they said that it was, um, they could tell what it was. They're going to both sides and they were like, I'm like, it's on the other side now. And they're like, okay, we're respecting it. Right now, my right side tends to be the worst. Sometimes they will flare up separately, which is easier to manage. Because, you know, it causes lots of pain in my neck as well and the back of my head. And I prefer if they, they flare up separately because then I can at least try to sleep on one side of my, you know, and use a pillow. When they both flare up, it's just, it's very torturous. <laughs> I'm very moody, put it that way. I know one I was just going to ask, like, how do you even cope when both flare together or when the pain is so bad? What do you do? Like, what, how do you cope with this? Because this is a horrible, both are horrible conditions, but. Yeah. So it's that same thing I go back to with one second, one day at a time kind of thing, because, you know, there's not much I can do about it. I've also learned too, is not to fight the pain. Because trigeminal neuralgia and occipital neuralgia, they are you know, they come in episodes. So they can hit any time. And because of that, you know, you can just be going about your day, bam, it hits. And, you know, it, it sets off our uh, fight, flight, and freeze, you know, instinct. And that puts our body into adrenaline, and then we tense, and then, you know, it, it's not a good cycle to get into. Um, so I had to learn for me is to breathe to slowly breathe through the episodes of each of them and to not fight them because fighting always makes it worse. And I, I also try to, when I'm talking to people about this as well, I try to remind them that the, these conditions may be located in our face and in our head, you know, but this affects the whole body, including our, our brain. You know, it's, it's emotional, it's mental and physical, and we have to take care of all of those. Definitely, you know, like having support from others helps being able to talk to my safe people, my partner and my twin about like, I'm struggling. This is bad. Being able to voice it aloud helps. Therapy helps. Being able to uh, talk to my therapist, let them know that, hey, I'm struggling. And I've also been diagnosed with medical trauma, you know, with PTSD from that as well. So it's like... The worst thing, in my opinion, is to get alone by yourself when you have conditions, because then it just makes, because honestly, it feels like a darkness hits you, you know, it feels like all there is is pain. So it's important that, you know, we don't stick in that darkness too long, because, you know, we are alive. There is other things other than pain. Yeah, it is. It's very important. Not always easy when you're in the thick of it, but it is important. And so, yeah, I mean, that's coping mentally, I find, you know, sometimes it's even harder than physical. I mean, because it, it shifts your life so much and you're dealing with so much pain, it just, you know, your life is not where you want it. It's not even close. You're watching, you know, and then we do the compare game and the, mm -hmm. well, this person's my age and they're doing this. And you know, I'm not doing anything and I'm useless and I'm pointless, you know, and it just gets so dark and, and, you know, awful. So it's just, it is tricky. And I think helping others too, like you do with the organizations and, you know, sharing your story and perspective out there, it, it's very helpful. Like it helps me to do this podcast and get outside of it, meet others that are, you know, dealing with stuff and, 
you know, it's just, it's, it's a nice, and then to realize like, there's some things that are universal when you're going through um, something like that. And so people get it. Like we can talk about the stuff that, you know, a lot of people that don't go through this can't talk about, like, it's just uncomfortable, but we're like, yeah, we can talk about it because we've dealt with it and we understand it. And yeah. totally. So that's, that's very true. Do you have, I mean, this is kind of, I think an interesting one for people that are listening that may have, you know, TN or ON, do you have any suggestions for people that are just recently diagnosed or maybe think they have it? Yeah. So a few things, this is from my own experience and what I wish I had known. The number one is, if we're talking about like the, the physical side of it, is find a neurologist. Do you have a better chance of them understanding it than a lot of people? If you're having this strange pain and like you're dealing with a dentist, you know, some dentists are, are knowledgeable, but a lot of people end up going through a lot of dental surgeries and they don't need it because it is, it's a nerve condition and not a dental issue. So I would take a pause on that and see if you can get into a neurologist, you know, try different things. You know, some people may say the surgery is great for them and that's a good option if, you know, if that's what they want to do or medication. But there, there's other options, and it, it doesn't have to just be a one fit for each person. I also try to, when I'm talking to people that are newly diagnosed, is I remind them that trigeminuralgia and neuralgia are not textbook. So while your doctor or other patients may say, this is what you have to have to, you know, to check off the list to have this condition, I remind them that each person is individual as much as their pain is individual. And that's important to remember, especially like for advocating for yourself. If, okay, so if they say, well, they can only be two minutes to two minute long episodes. If you're having three or 10 minute longs or more, that doesn't dismiss the fact that you have this condition or, you know, it's important to remember that so you can advocate, you know, properly on your own behalf. And advocating is hard. And that's why I, I also say to get in the communities to understand this stuff because when you're like feeling down like I can't do this anymore they're like we'll do it for you and they give you that strength and you push you through it and that would be my other thing that I would suggest is find the community having to deal with this condition for so long without one not knowing what I had but two not having anyone else who understood was very very hard like I I don't know if I can express how hard that was it was years upon years and it was just me and I have my support of my family and you know and that helped and I'm so thankful for that but I also had no name for what I had and no others who understood it so once I you know found people the message that I was not alone was probably the most powerful message that I have and I try to remind people of that as well because I know that how that helped me so I always say make Make your TN and OM friends because they're going to help you. They'll be that light when you're really struggling. Yeah, that's true. They're, it's very helpful to realize that you're not alone in this and that there are other people and that may not have the exact symptoms as you, but they may have the same diagnosis or, you know, maybe they just go through chronic illness or chronic pain in a different perspective, but there are people out there that get it and that can support you during those dark times. And that's very helpful. 
because without it, you know, you just feel alone. You just feel so alone. It's such an isolating experience. But I can only imagine with a rare condition, how much more isolating that is. Because, you know, if we Google certain things, you can find a huge group of people, you know, that have it and everything else. And they're doing so much more now, like, I mean, even with rare conditions. So it's so great to see, you know, that rare conditions are coming out a little bit more. I mean, there's still a long way to go, but it, it is true. At least there's now foundations and other things that will help bring light to it and then also bring people together that have it. I would also suggest like check, checking out the Facial Pain Association and the Young Patients Committee that is part of the Facial Pain Association. They really do care. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm part of them, but I, I see how much they care. And, you know, that really would have made a huge difference for me. And I wish so badly I'd had them back when I um, needed them, but I'm glad that I have them now. So that's another option that I would check out. Yeah. And I love that you do for young adults as well as pediatric, because so many young adults get missed because we either shoved into an adult world or we're a child. And so that, that period gets lost on so many mm-hmm. doctors and, and it's such an important part of our lives in that time. Cause you do so much in your young adult years and so many life things. So having something like this, it, it's great to have the support like you, you know, it'd be nice to be able to talk to you if I just was diagnosed and I was 19 and I was like, help, you know, so that'd be nice to have that organization to tap into. So you don't feel as alone with that. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I was really excited to do this and it's really great to be able to share my story. No, I loved hearing it and hearing more about these conditions. It always uh, surprises me and it kind of just always, it always does. It always shocks me a little to hear, you know, everything really. And from a person's perspective and experience with it. It's one thing to read it, you know, like for the research part, but like to like actually hear someone talk about it, it just changes how you view it, you know, like how you really see the condition because it puts a, it's a personal touch on it. So I love, love that you were willing to share and To learn more about Laura Launderville, you can go to her blog again, and I will include it in the episode description, but you can find it through Instagram at the Medical Zebra blog. I am also going to include another wonderful and informative piece about trigeminal neuralgia by our little friend, Laura over here, which is featured on The Mighty, and I thought it was really well done, so I'll include that link too so you can read about it. And again, like get a more personal perspective on living with it. And, you know, if you are out there and you want to shed a light on your rare condition or your condition in general, you know, please think about coming on the show because we love, we love learning. We love sharing this message because truly it's so important and it does change, you know, even if it touches just one person, it's well worth it. So because one more person out there that doesn't feel so alone and you can contact us on, on the website, which is imnotmypainpodcast.org. And thank you again, Laura, for coming on the show. And thank you to all my listeners for tuning in. And remember, you are not alone and you are not your pain. Like the show? Please subscribe and leave a review. Or to learn more about the show or how to become a guest, 
Simply visit our website at www.iamnotmypainpodcast.org. That is iamnotmypainpodcast.org. Your story matters. We look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Keith. I am a martial arts therapist at the Hero Circle, a global healing and wellness initiative inspired by the children of kids kicking cancer. Would you like to discover the power of your breath while fueling the purpose of thousands of sick children across the globe? Simply check out our free adult meditation catalog at herocircle.org forward slash meditations. To learn more about our program and our inspirational little heroes, visit our website at herocircle.org. From all of us at the Hero Circle, we wish you a wonderful day. Power, peace, purpose.